Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. afternoon everyone i am your host technician welcome to the bright side with technician if you don't know what this show is all about it's about real experiences with real people who bring real solutions for real problems so good afternoon everyone today is january 24th 2017 and we are almost done with this month can you believe it? almost done so do you have your action plan in gear because the new year has already begun it's almost going to be over very soon in in a lick of time. So I hope you got your action plan together because there's no time like today to get that in order. But speaking of those Falcons, yes, to the Super Bowl, baby. I won't be going to Texas, but I will be watching from my house. Yes, I am so happy. And I'm hoping and praying because I know we're going to actually probably get that ring. Yes, we're going all the way. When you thought that the underdogs were sleeping, yes, we're coming all the way, baby. Um, but I am here once again with a lovely, lovely woman. Um, you know, we, we deal with so many issues. You know, we deal with difficult people, right? We deal with them every day. Everywhere we go, we don't know how to deal with them. And what's so interesting about this guest that I have is that she is actually a difficult person. She's a former difficult person herself who has overcome that obstacle, and she's teaching you how to deal with somebody like herself, which is so cool because I wish that sometimes I could go inside people's brain and, and, and ask them, like, how am I able to deal with you? Can you tell me your next move that you're going to make or let me know when you're going to snap or what you're going to say? Because I don't know. I, if we could all read each other's minds, it would be so simple, right? But here with me to answer all those questions to bring you about how to deal with difficult people is Sarah Ellison. Sarah, thank you so much for trying this again. Because actually, Sarah and I retried it the first time, and it didn't work out on the show. So she's back again with us. Thank you so much, Sarah. Appreciate you. Oh, you're welcome. I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yes. So, Sarah, first and foremost, discuss on about you. You were once a difficult person. You call yourself a difficult person. Why is that? How did you discover that you were a difficult person? Well, I um, I think I probably still have elements of difficultness in me. I may be just more aware of them now. I had a boss, a supervisor. Um, that uh, I really admired, and I hadn't worked for her for too long. So the relationship was real important to me. And she had said to me, you know, your work is really good. Sometimes you have this sort of annoying habit of, of getting into little, not temper tantrums, but you get all agitated and angry about stuff, and it really is distracting for the rest of us. And I said, do I? I I'm not aware of that. And she said, well, you never mind. You know, the next time it happens, I'll tell you about it. I'll point it out. And I thought, well, okay. And about two weeks later, I lost my glasses, and uh, I ended up 
stomping around looking for them and, you know, picking things up and dropping them in my cubicle and just in general being really annoying to everybody around. Um, And I was probably swearing and, you know, the kinds of things you do when you know you had them right there and you can't find things. And uh, anyway, she said, Sam, come in to my office. And uh, so I went in, and she said, that, what you're doing right now, that needs to stop. And I said, well, what am I doing? I mean, I wasn't even aware of what I was doing when I was doing it after she told me about it. Why? So, the thing is, a diffi- from my experience, my first premise is that most difficult people, they don't know what they're saying, and they don't know really what their actions are, so that they can't really be aware of the impact it's having on you. They might know that you're mad at them or that you're avoiding them or that you said something short to them and walked away or they were aware of that, but they didn't. They aren't aware of themselves having done anything different or differently, so they don't know what they did to make you mad. And, of course, most of us with a difficult person we put up with it, and we put up with it, and we put up with it. We try to make fun of it. We joke around. We take deep breaths. We say, you know, that's who they are. And then eventually we snap. And, of course, the difficult person is like, well, uh, uh, but what did I do? <laughs> because it's really, uh, it's not part of our programming. I don't see it anywhere in certainly the way I was brought up to look at someone and say, you know, when you do that, it really, it's annoying and it's distracting and it it is bothering, you know, more than just me. It's it's hurting the customers or it's, it's hurting the other children. You know, you steal a toy from a kid in the nursery school and the teacher says, no, we, we need to share. And the, the kid says, what do you, what share? <laughs> That's a new word. <laughs> right. Um, and and say, when you take away his toy, he doesn't like it, and the other kids don't like it, and it creates a grabby environment, so we need everyone gets a turn. You know, they, they get real simple with kids. And I'm not saying be patronizing and get so simple with another adult, but it is almost that. It is almost the, necessary to say, when you use that tone, when you say those words, when you do that particular action... Um, it it impacts me and it impacts others. And this is the impact it has. Do you know that you're doing it? That was the thing. As you know, my boss just said, are you aware that you do this? And I said, no. And she knew. She could tell that it was is a habit. And it wasn't just an anger thing. And some people have said, oh, well, you had an anger management problem. And certainly anger was um, the way it manifested if you will you know that i think meant that i was taught that anger is the tip of the iceberg you know we're taught that if you're upset or frustrated or afraid um or whatever anger is okay in our culture you know you can roar at people you can you can be angry and it's okay as long as you don't hurt someone else uh physically but underneath the anger is often fear uh, confusion some kind of emotional pain that we don't even know is there, all kinds of things. So I, uh, I, <laughs> it was a very eye-opener for me. And people have said, well, how come you listened to her and you didn't listen to anybody else? And my only response can be, no one said it to me clearly when right. uh, I was, I, I mean, I was 50 years old. I was stunned, you know, when I realized that, um, that probably I've been doing this all my life. I, I did. I sat down in my office that day. I thought about it. I thought, I wonder, I must have, I, I, I wonder what, I do that all the time. I and mean, it was as natural to me as breathing. Well, there were a couple and, of things going on. Yeah? And, and well, it, is, it is amazing. People don't actually know that they're difficult. I deal with, um, well, I have former coworkers that are the same way, and they don't know of their they don't know of their actions until you probably tell them, and they're looking at you like, how did I offend you? I didn't know that offended you, and you're like, yeah, that really did. And and it makes you upset because it's like, okay, if you didn't know that it upset me, now I have an issue because that's a serious problem. But it happened. Mm-hmm. I, I have dealt mm-hmm. with that issue before. The person don't know that mm-hmm. they actually get on your nerves. They don't, they don't know that. Mm-mm. 
they don't know it. And when when we say, well, that offends me, um, they're, they're often sometimes, uh, you know, it's, there's a denial factor, and it's like, well, you know, you should take care of yourself better. I'm not intending to offend you, so if you're offended, go work it out. You know, <laughs> I think probably there were people who said things to me like, you know, when you say that, it really hurts my feelings. And my reaction would have been, I'm sorry you feel that way. It's not my intention to hurt your feelings. Um, you know, <laughs> maybe you should figure out what it is that's going on for you. It wasn't. It wasn't like my fault. And and you may have experienced that too. Mhm. Yeah. But uh, that they, that it's it's like saying, oh, that offends me, or that hurts my feelings, or you're mean. I remember one person, I had a trainer who fired me because I wasn't nice. She said, you need to be wow. nicer. And I said, I said, um, well, can you tell me what that looks like, what that sounds like? <laughs> she said, no, never mind. And she just, you know, she said, you know, there's other trainers here. You can work with one of them. And I'm like, wah, 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 wah. We'd been working together for a year. I, I had no idea that she found me so difficult, and it was because I, I think what it was was she'd say, don't forget to do this or don't forget to do that, and I felt like I knew her well enough, so I'd say, yeah, I know, I know, watch, I can do it, and so I, I think she felt I was contradicting her or disrespecting her, I'm just guessing, because we never got to talk about it, because <laughs> I never saw her again, Um but I was very aware when I was writing the book, I was aware that this whole concept of being nice um, was important to her, and I didn't know what that looked like and what that sounded like. And I'm a pretty concrete person, <laughs> so I need to have things said to me that way. Um, right. I, but you got, I had a – I was going to say – I was going to say, Sarah – did this behavior come from dealing with her mother? Because in the chapter, um, we talk about the development, demystified, where you visited your mother and she was telling you about a school that she hated. That behavior actually was taught by it from your mother without you actually knowing it? That's right. Um, that's in the book there. Um, it was interesting. The difference is my mom used to get upset about things a lot. But she only did it in the house. I mean, she only did it with family. And somewhere I missed the message that we don't do this outside the door. So, uh, you know, when I when I got outside the door and I had a problem, I had a little, pro- you know, I got angry. And I probably had little temper tantrums. I remember there was one class, I think it was the sixth grade, the fifth grade. I used to have to go out in the hall because I'd get so upset at being teased by the other class members that I would cry, and so the teacher would let me go in the hallway and cry, and she'd come out and talk to me. But um, that only happened in the fifth grade. I don't know what was going on in the fifth grade, but I remember also seeing on one of my report cards, you know, years later that that I needed to work on um, my anger. And I'm, I'm uh, you know... Th- when I was growing up, no one ever heard of anger management. It was just Sarah needs to, oh, control her temper. That's the way she wrote it. Sarah needs to control her temper. And I didn't nice know. Way. I'm sorry? I say in a nice way, control your temper, calm down. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and and the thing is, it's, I'm not blaming my mother. That was part of her personality and her growing upness. And she never lost her temper in public. Um, I remember um, saying something to one of her friends at some point when when she was older and after I had seen this this uh, um, seen her sort of having a little snit fit with me privately and I mentioned it to one of her friends and the woman said well I've never seen her do that she seems like a very happy person and I thought oh okay she really just doesn't do this in public and wow I missed that message and then I asked my sisters how they felt and they said they both had been challenged with making sure they held their temper, but they watched me get into trouble all the time. <laughs> so they were more astute in public. I, I Somewhere I got the idea that you could say whatever you wanted to say, you know, especially when you were angry, you could say what's really going on. 
And I think I did that um, prob- – I know I did it more than was appropriate, but I probably did it growing up, and my sisters figured, aha, we don't do that in public. you know. So they learned it, <laughs> and I didn't. <laughs> right. I just remember numbers of times when I was um, employed, both in schools and when I worked for United Way, that so you know an issue would come up, we'd be talking about something, and I would feel quite strongly about it, and I feel that I was sharing my passion, and probably underneath it was some of this, um, I don't know if it's anger, uh, but there was a there was a, a negativity to it. So there was like this isn't just passion this is passion with a punch you know and I think that's what the uh, people that I worked with found very difficult but they didn't know how to address it okay they didn't know how and to tell me it you, was a problem and that that is exactly what you address in your book it, when the when the reader goes all the way through um, chapter mm-hmm. 3 where you talk about give us a clue so uh, but how do you go about giving a person a clue do you Blur out to them, hey, you're a difficult person. No. What should, I mean, what should I tell that person? I mean, I don't I don't want to run you off and make you more mad, make you more upset exactly. if that's the correct word. You know, so how do I go about giving them that clue while upsetting them even more? Well, it's it's kind of a challenge, but it's a lot easier. Once you get in the habit of doing this, it's easier than getting more and more frustrated with someone. So the first step is to look at exactly what the person's saying or doing. So take, for example, um, the, per- the person you were talking about. You said you had someone who offended you. Can, can you tell me what that person said or what what their um, actions were? Oh, let me see, because it was a while. It was a while back. Um, oh, okay. Well, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Yeah. It's just it no, just that, helps that, to no, that, really that get clear. O- that is okay, and um. I think she she says I forgot how she put it. Um, see, I'm gonna have to try to remember, but it was it was so offensive, and I don't think that she actually knew that it offended me, but it mm-hmm. but it actually did. And I confronted well, her. I have, about a, like, oh, I have an example I, I can't even of remember a, the situation. It'll come went. to you. It'll yeah, come it's to gonna you. come to me. Well, the, the um, there one that happened to me relatively recently. At a staff meeting, this this man in our staff meeting, who is the nicest guy in the world, the most sensitive person I know, who said something about another another guy on the team and something about his better half, and I don't know why, but that just really pushed all my buttons and said, I can't believe you said that. That's the most sexist kind of comment, honest to Pete. And I just chewed him up one side and down the other, and he looked at me and he said back off, you know, <laughs> I didn't mean, and the, everyone else on the team said the same thing, and I said, oops, sorry, being difficult here, you know, I was aware that I was really annoyed, and when I sat and thought about it, I realized that that expression to a woman <laughs> is kind of like the N-word for an African-American, at least in my head, when you say, oh, the woman is the better half of you know, the little woman, that kind of thing. It's like, it's a real uh-huh. insult, I think, to a female. And when I went to him and said, you know, the reason I was so pissed at you was because this is, this is what goes on in my head when I hear that expression. He said, oops, I had no idea. He grew up with that being <laughs> a form of endearment from his father to his mother, and his mother loved it. He's a couple, you know, 20 years older than I am. And I said, I... <laughs> So for me, it was, it wasn't. I didn't deal with it correctly, but I went back afterwards and said, "Hey, here's why I was so annoyed. Do you get that it had that kind of reaction in my brain?" And he said, "Oh my goodness, my my intention was this." And so we cleared it up. Um, the 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 first step is being able to be really clear about what's being said, what words are used, and and. And if there's actions going on, and also, once you can do that, what the impact is, well, if it's offensive and your reaction is, I am so angry and so offensive, then you stop and take a deep breath and say, okay, now, where does this come from? Because 
once you understand what the impact of the behavior is, you really have to start looking at yourself. Not that there's anything wrong with you, but if you're that upset, you want to go find out where. So who does it remind you of? What does it remind you of? What is offensive about it? Is it the tone? Is it the words? Is it the action? Um, for example, watching Mr. Trump walk into the wherever, you know, when he and Mrs. Trump and the two Obamas were getting together to go to the um, inauguration, and he climbed yes. out of the car and started off. He marched off. I mean, the man is focused. He knows where he's going. And the Obamas turned and helped his wife. And um, I've heard some women saying, well, you see, the guy doesn't even help his wife. He doesn't respect women. And my reaction was, you can look at it that way, or you can say, yeah, right. well, he's focused. He was getting inaugurated. My God, it doesn't happen every day. So he's exactly. pretty excited, and he forgot. Because so, so I do my husband first, the same way. If we're walking, I might walk off because I'm on a, I'm, basically I'm on a mission. And it's not okay. that I'm dis- trying to disrespect you or I don't love you. It's just I'm on a mission and I'm focused. I need to get to that point where I'm at, and I know you'll catch up with me as soon as I get there. But you you know what? I I really – it's certain things I agree on and certain things I don't, and I don't like to get into big old debates when it comes to things. That's why I always keep my mouth closed sometimes. But, um, you know, the whole Donald, Donald Trump issue – and, and I know some people get tired of hearing, oh, well, he's in office now. No, you don't have to accept it. You don't. There's nothing that you have to accept. No one's telling you that you have to accept the fact that he's president because by the end of the day, we're all human beings. We're grown. We have a choice that we can make. But by the end of the day, I also learned from just doing my affirmation calls. You have to study your opponent. The same way it always say keep your enemies closer. Well, think of it like this. If you think of him as an enemy, Keep him closer. Study, study your opponent. Study his moves. You need to know what's going on. Don't ignore it. Don't say, oh, I don't like him, so I'm not going to pay no attention. Okay, sit down. And when something happens, then you won't know. It's going to happen in the blink of the eye. So study your opponents. And, and this thing, I hope us women don't get too mad with me. But come on, you grown. I have rights. I can get a job the same way as a man can get a job. I can speak now. I could be able to vote now. So this women right, I don't know. I, I don't agree with it too much. What are we what are we actually I need to know the basis of it. What are we actually fighting on besides trying to get a free day off work, you know, and, and just wanna <laughs> just wanna speak up because I mean it's certain things that have changed. I mean, I I don't understand what the issue is now with with the I women think, rights. Uh, it was more of a um, if I no, if you don't mind, I just because a lot of my friends were part of the march, and I've been um, reading a lot about it. Um, I think it was more a matter of solidarity for those women who don't have feel that they have rights. It was more a matter of saying, "Hey, we're women, and we we speak up because um, a lot of I mean, there were a lot of supporters of Mr. Trump there. Also, it was it was right. more around women's reproductive rights and uh, some of the things that are going to disappear with some of the political um, changes that are going to be made. But if I could get back to where I was, I didn't really, I, mean, I was <laughs> yeah. just using him as an example. The point is, um, if even if I look at him as my enemy, I'm already putting up a defense. And part right. of the process, part of the the process of looking at a difficult person is to step back and look at how am I looking at this person? Can I take a behavior that I think normally I would think is rude, can I look at it from the other side? Can I look to see if there's a positive motivation? And I do workshops on, on this whole process, and this is one of the really interesting exercises because, you know, we label people as manipulative or unpleasant or offensive or rude or, you know, bossy, argumentative, Mm -hmm. uh, control freaks. That's a real popular one. And so I I invite everyone to list all these, these, you know, descriptors that we have. 
and then say, okay, so someone's a control freak. How could you describe the behavior of a control freak, someone that is always needing to know what's going on and, and often wants to be in charge or is always checking to make sure everything is that they understand what's going on? What, uh, how would you describe that behavior from a positive motivation? So I, I'm not challenging you to do that, but you could be thinking about it. The way I look at it is that this is a person right. who cares deeply about what's going on. So, for example, um, I'm, I'm in a choir at our church, and there are members of the choir who pick up the music and they putter with it and they learn it and they don't have a lot of questions. And then there are others who need to know exactly, for example, when we perform, they need to know exactly how many times we're going to repeat the last phrase before we're done. And, of course, the easy for me, it's the easy thing. You just watch the director. He'll tell you when we're going to stop. But this person really needs to know, is it five times or six times? And my reaction before I'd written this book, before I was aware of, of this and doing these workshops, I would have thought, what is her problem? <laughs> Get over it. And no, it's just she feels more comfortable if she has if she knows what's going on. So if I can look at her that way, she's no longer difficult. So you ask me, what do we do? Well, the first thing we do is define the behavior, really be able to describe it. The second is to see, can we look at it? From a positive perspective, okay. doesn't mean you're still not going to address it, but you come up, see if you can. If you can walk all the way around it and see the other side, you're starting to stretch your mind. And that's, we need to have some flexibility in our responses in order to be able to listen to them when we do talk to them. So having yes. done that, then, then <laughs> this is the fun part, I say, okay, why does she really tick me off? What is it that's going on? Who does she remind me of, or what situation does it remind me of? What's pushing my buttons? So there's that whole there's a whole exercise in the book about trying to figure out who it is in your past life because everybody, <laughs> if it's if it's annoying you, it's got something to do with your past, you know, other people in your life. Yeah, you I will have to say that it's connect, it is a big connection. Would that also, Sarah? relate to dealing with, you mentioned filters that we yeah. need to go through. Are these certain steps to identify that you're dealing with an actual difficult person? I'm sorry. I didn't understand the question. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, is this in ask relation, it again. Oh, yes. Um, is this in relation to the filters that you mentioned in your book as well? You mentioned, um, I think it's six filters. Mm-hmm. That, um, For negative criticism. Well, when we yeah. start to um, when we start to really want to criticize, when we realize we're criticizing the other person, um, that Dr. Simon uh, suggests that there there are before you say anything that you you walk it through some filters. And the first one is, have they ever heard it before? And then the second one is, um, can it be fixed? <laughs> and uh, Oh, dear, I don't have the book in front of me. Do you have it in front of you? I do. I think I ended up... I used to. I, I usually do. <laughs> but today, for I some reason, up. it's not. So it's, have they heard it before? Can they do anything about it? Um, I'm embarrassed. Let me see if I can, <laughs> let me see if I can get to it quicker. Because <laughs> I think I had it. Okay. I know. I, oh, yes, I know. I uh, um, one of first filter... Is it possible that the person has heard it before? Um, uh-huh. Second filter, is the other person actually able to change? Third yeah, is filter, it something that can be changed? Is the good. other person in shape to hear it? Oh, that's a good mm-hmm. one. Because, I mean, if they don't want to hear it, then that automatically um, blows it off. Yeah, well, sometimes with those. they're in an emotional state. I mean, one of the, one of the people I was talking to about the book said, "Oh, so when my boss blows up at me, I should go in and have a conversation." And my reaction is, "No, no, <laughs> wait until <laughs> no, they're right. gone. <laughs> you know, take a deep breath. Let them. Yeah, are they? It's probably not a good time to say something. Go on. That's the third one. Right. Um, for filter, how much of my negative feeling is my own stuff? Wow, that's there. A good you go. One. That's the one I was just mentioning. You know, who does that person remind me of? How much? Right. 
you know, what what's triggering me? Okay. Hello? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. That's something to really think about, too. Because uh, sometimes, like you said, it'd be that one little trigger, be your stepfather, your mother, and that one person could just piss you off. You'd be like, oh, God, because I think I have done that myself. I'd be like, oh, you remind me of this person so much, and I can't, and now I can't stand yoga as much as I can't stand there. <laughs> so that's not going to create a lot of positive relationships. So you have to not. really get clear on that. So that was number uh, four. What's number five? Our fifth filter is, am I willing to stick around and pick up the pieces after I deliver my message? Wow. Now, that, that's part of our process, too, or the one that I'm suggesting in the book, and that is, of course, you don't have a conversation with a difficult person about um, why you're finding them difficult unless you're prepared to be there and listen and be empathetic with them uh, as they respond because most people are going to at least get a little defensive. Most people are not going to do yeah. what I did, which is like, oh, gosh, no. <laughs> okay, and now, then the, the sixth one. Because I'm one a weird is, person. I will, I will actually go back and apologize. Like if I blow off, I go back and apologize and mm-hmm. say, okay, that's not the way it was supposed to be dealt. I'm so sorry. Like I'm very apologetic person because mm-hmm, I don't want you to be mm-hmm. mad with me so I will apologize quick. well uh, and that's uh, part of part of you know for me that's people say well how are you different now and I said well now a I'm aware and b I go back and check if I think for any reason something I said or did was it was difficult I go back and check just as you say I apologize and say did, did I did I say something or was I doing something that was annoying and you know I, I'm trying not to be difficult and Everybody knows I've written the book, so they're always very kind. I know. But, well, yeah, sometimes I did. And you know, before we get <laughs> to the sixth filter, what the more yeah. I talk to you, Sarah, the more I'm understanding. A difficult person, to me, is not the kind to just agitate people. It's all about, it boils down to that one C word, communication. A lot of times mm-hmm. we think people are, are being an a-hole or you just want to be aggravating and stupid sometimes because that's where you are but it comes down to communicate sometimes you might not know if that person having a bad day or that's if they right. went through something we don't know mm-hmm. because the main thing we do we always run off assumptions we don't yep. we have a bad habit in that as human beings sometimes doing that we don't ask the person well how are you doing because that's the first thing i like to do ask people how are you doing because mm-hmm. sometimes that person mm-hmm. might don't want to talk you just uh, you just run your mouth. You might be working their nerves, and they then they snap on you, and you wonder why they snap on me. Because you probably didn't even ask them, how was your day? Uh, are you right. doing okay? Right. And My I son, think that's where it comes from. It's not that you've been difficult. I don't believe that, Sarah. You're not a difficult person. Just sometimes people don't be understanding. They don't. Like when you <laughs> lost your glasses. Like, for instance, when you lost your glasses, you probably didn't want to explode, but hey, lost my glasses. Now I can't see. I don't even know if you're saying hey to me right now because I lost my glasses. Can you help me find them? I mean, somebody might step on them. Now I'm pissed off because somebody stepped on my glasses. So that's all I'm saying. I didn't <laughs> want to explode and trip off my glasses. Well, <laughs> you're being very kind and actually I can tell you that it's really nice to, to uh, have numbers of different radio uh, hosts who say, gee, you don't sound difficult. And, of course, I'm sitting oh. here talking to you, so, of course, I don't sound difficult. But, you know, we're not in an intimate relationship. <laughs> we don't have to work well, no. together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what What look, you were talking look. about in terms of, uh, of there's two things I wanted to say about asking people, you know, how was your day? My son right. has a wonderful uh, phrase that I learned from him whenever I bump into somebody usually with service personnel, but I've done it with others too, and that is, how's your day going? When I say that to the cashier in the grocery store, they always make eye contact. And if I just say, hi, how are you doing? They just respond and keep running the, the things past the little you know, reader. But when I say, so how's your day going? They look up, they look at me, and they tell me. And we have a real conversation, and I learned that from my son. I love it. The other thing I wanted to say is Dale Carnegie was the one who said, it isn't what you have, who you are, where you are, or what you do that makes you happy or unhappy. It's what you think about it. And that's what you were saying is that it's how we 
think about the other person. Right. It is. So, and that I guess so, that brings us to our sixth filter. Um, isn't it possible that what this person needs is more validation? Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, this this is a concept that really my my participants really struggle with. <laughs> that to find something, using the language of validation, something I learned from Dr. Sidney Simon, who is a founder of Values Clarification and author of a zillion books and professor emeritus. He's an incredible guy. He's going to be 90 in July, and we're all pretty excited about it. He came up with this language of validation where you fill in the blank um, with something that you honor or appreciate or like or respect or treasure about uh, the other person. And I I once taught this kind of thing to uh, a, a room full of policemen. I remember teaching, <laughs> thinking, oh, my God, these people, and police women, I'm sure they were officers in uniform, and I thought, they are never going to buy this. They're, the way they have to look at the world, they are not going to stop and think about how they honor or respect or admire or treasure or something another person and they did the exercise and they you know they got kind of uh, emotional about it and they really liked it so my my response is that there isn't anybody in the world that isn't going to respond to you know I really respect your ability to let's say it's the control freak I respect your ability to know exactly what you want and to be able to state it so clearly how are they going to argue with that? They can't argue with that. Now, you can mm-hmm. still say sometimes it drives me crazy when you keep asking me the same question over and over again. You can say that. Do you realize that you do it? And and maybe that will resolve it. But if, if it's somebody that's in a group that you're in and they're doing something that's driving you crazy, if you can walk it through those six filters – and come up with a validation for that person, you're going to change the way you look at that person. Do you agree? Right. I agree. Yes. Yeah. So part of this whole self-reflection process is figuring out what's triggering you, what, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, if if what you're doing is negative criticism, to walk it through the, the six filters the other concept that I find very, very helpful is to figure out whether I'm in my business, their business, or God's business. I don't know if you saw that in the book also. <clears throat> it's, I learned this concept from a woman named Byron Katie, and she's very wise, and living by this is very difficult, I think. The concept is that what's my business is everything about me. So my feeling and my reaction is also about me, not the other person. Isn't that annoying? Don't you want it to be their fault? (laughs) (laughs) So Okay, so there's my business, then there's their business, which is everything about them, and everything else is God's business. Everything, Mm, the weather, politics, you name it, it's all God's business. And so with me and my difficult person, the real question is, do I just want this person to be different? I just think they should change because they should change. Unfortunately, that means I'm in their business. If they're doing or saying something that's having an impact on customers, on family members, um, if it's turning people away, if you've got somebody working, you know, the cash register who's grumpy, and not smiling and say, please come back and see us again, that kind of thing. You know, that's mm-hmm. an impact that you can address. But if you just wish this person was different, just because <laughs> you wish they'd change, oh, it's so annoying. It's their business. It's not yours. We all have right. friends and, and confidants and family members who are doing something, and we think, oh, they can't, they shouldn't do that. You know what? It's their business. And they may ask you for your advice, and you can give it to them. But if they don't, it's then not don't our... offer it. I know, and it's I so know. hard. So it, hard, it, isn't it? it? It's it's hard for people because people know it. That's what it is, Sarah. People know they don't know how to mind their own business. Child, that's why I tell them <laughs> on my job. I be in the corner somewhere. I mind my own business. They ask me, 
Technician, you see anything? Nope. I'm in my own corner. I don't want to see nothing. Nope. I was minding my own business. If y'all try that, y'all be probably happier. But what we're going to do, we're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to come back with Sarah because we want to talk about preparation. We want to prepare for that. So it don't always have to be a clash or confrontation with that other person. So you stay tuned. Don't go nowhere. And don't be grumpy and difficult either. Come back. I mean it. Thought it was over? Not yet. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Blog Talk Talk Radio, baby. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. Or not. M2. Or not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Someone who's being bullied online? Send the witness emoji. It looks like an eye in a speech bubble, and it's in the symbol section near the clocks in your phone. You'll let the world know it isn't cool, and you'll let your friend know you care. Learn more about the witness emoji at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. All right, we're back with my girl Sarah. We're talking about how to deal with difficult people because that's one thing. It's it's hard to deal with them, and we know everybody goes through that difficult person. You probably don't went through it with a co- a colleague or you, you're trying to currently work with work with that person who you find difficult to even relate to. And what sort of person do you find it difficult to work with? It, it's really hard to tell, but Sarah is here to break it down if you even find yourself in that situation, even if you are that difficult person. So Sarah, at the end of your book, we talk about preparation, mm-hmm. putting three weeks in advance on this to talk to that person. Sometimes it, it it sounds easier done and that and to me it makes sense. If you could actually just write it down before you um clash out and, and do an outburst at that person because doing an outburst at least the other things that shouldn't be said or done. So how do we go about prepping ourselves up to even begin to start writing down what to say? Well the first thing of course is to is to in all the steps that I've been uh describing is to write them down but to be real clear on what the behavior is what they say what they do yes and what the impact is who it has an impact on and what the consequences of that impact are in other words um if they're going to get fired or you've got family members who don't want to be around because of their behavior um if it's losing customers, which means they're probably going to get fired, you know, you need to fit, factor in the impact and get that written down also. Also, to um, do some of those validations in terms of what you honor and admire about the person, because when you start the conversation, you want to say, hey, I'm doing this because you're important to me, not because I'm annoyed at what you're doing. <laughs> that's That's a problem, but... I'm doing it because I care about you and want you in my life or want you on the team or you've got the skills that we really need and, you know, when you're in a good place, everything works. So you need to have written those things down also. One thing we haven't talked at all about is is active listening to the other person. I'll come back to that, I guess, because that's really part of the uh, the interaction. Okay. But in terms of writing things down, I think a really – I well – Personally, I think a brilliant suggestion that I came up with is to write down all the things you think the person is going to say. 
take a piece of paper, and on the left-hand side, you write down all their reactions because probably by now you know how they react. Like, that's not my fault. I didn't do that. You do it too if, or you know, whatever they are, all the things that that person is going to say. And then on the right-hand side of the page, you list the kinds of responses you can make. And this is where active listening is important because what you need to do is not so much respond to the content of what they're saying as to what mm-hmm. their feelings are underneath it. You have to start okay. getting – you have to start getting um, – like a little detective in terms of, well, so you're disappointed or you don't think it's your fault. You're feeling picked on. Uh, you, you think you say everybody else is doing it, so so you feel like I'm singling you out and and you're feeling uh, like a finger is being pointed and you're feeling uncomfortable. I don't know what all the feelings are. <laughs> you might need to go online somewhere and get a list of all these feelings, but <clears throat> you need to practice that because they're going to have some of those reactions. And um, you want to be able to to uh, be prepared. What I encourage you to do is then practice the conversation with a friend, with a, like a little coach, a little mini coach, somebody that you trust, and have them give you all those reactions. And, then, and listen to it and say, so you're really feeling put down, you're feeling picked on. Um, yeah, and you're always being mean to me. And so you think I'm I'm just just in generally a mean person. Well, you're all, and then they just go down the list, whatever that list is, and you listen to that. And periodically, depending on how long the list is, you throw in there, yeah, I hear you. And you, are you aware that you do this and that it has this impact? Are you is that what you want? Did you want to be the person that's disrupting the team? No, you wouldn't say it that way, but Say the impact was the team can't get their job done. You know, if that's the impact that we can't, we, we're losing customers. Is that what you wanted? Aren't you here to get more customers? And they say, well, sure I am. Well, did you know that when you do this, it this is the this is the result. This is the impact it has. And mm-hmm. are you aware you do it? It's very important to always make it a question. Are you right. aware? Right. Is this what you want? Because they have to be given a choice. When someone just says, okay. you do this and it's wrong and it must change, nobody likes that, you know? Mm-mm. And we all resist that. We have, a, we have a need to be free, at least have a sense of making choices. You know, when you've got a, a, a little person in your life, a young person, a two- or three-year-old, and, and they, you, they're trying to decide what to wear, Somewhere I learned that if I offer him a choice of two, as long as I'm happy with both choices, the child is much more willing to say, yes, okay, I'll wear that. If you say, go in and pick out a jersey, they'll be at it for hours, right? If you say, here's a jersey, here's two jerseys, pick this one or this one, they pick one, he puts it on, off he goes. So there's a thing about choices, and I stress that in the book, too, is that that it's really important to – to make sure it's a question. Let's see. Some of the other pointers that I have. I finally I went and got the book, so I <laughs> I would sound more knowledgeable. It was a little embarrassing not to have it in front of me here. Um, oh, no, that's okay, because I think I'm on the page of pointers at the end of the book. Yeah, well, it says to give yourself a couple of weeks, you know, if it's something that's dramatic and drastic, then, you know, you can try to practice it in over a day or two. But if this is, say, a family member, um, a lot of times this comes up at the holidays and people say, oh, I don't want to go to that party or I don't want to go to that event because so-and-so will be there and they just push every button I've got. Now, my reaction is take, take a few weeks to really decide how you want to have that conversation and maybe wait and have it after the uh the the holidays, you know, after the event, grit your teeth and get through it and then say, you know, I really liked being with you. Um, One of the things that – I'm sorry? I was going to say, Sarah, this is definitely great information. I mean, we experienced this because I'm a waitress at my job, and I have Mm. seen people like, I might get upset, but I don't do an outburst, but I have seen them where my coworkers 
oh, they clash and they have these outbursts and they be like, uh oh, now you don't say it is. The guests have heard it. <laughs> this this would definitely this would definitely work. Um, definitely, I yeah. I'm gonna definitely make sure. <laughs> I'm sorry for saying definitely over, but I'm gonna make sure they get some this book in their life because this will really help, especially these pointers. You know, you have to take a you gotta take a pause. So easy to react to the other person, and I feel like when you react to that person, they won. It's like okay, I pushed your buttons now. I have control over you because every time I say this or do that, bam, I know what's gonna make you tick and what. So that's why I I don't try to get upset and let no one work my nerves. I'll be so glad. Okay, if I can't come to agreement with you, then it's like I'm done. I'm I'm grown. I'm not about to argue with you like you're a child. By the end of that, I have children mm-hmm. myself, so we're not gonna sit there and debate, but. Definitely, as you said, Sarah, active listening is so important, and it's not about just getting your word across all the time. It's and not just about hearing, but more importantly, you're trying to understand the complete message that's been sent. Listen to it before you explode. Maybe that maybe that person said it, and you just took it the wrong way. And I I had an incident like that with a coworker in the kitchen. Um, he was busy one day, and I was joking with them because we was joking all all those um, few hours of the afternoon. We were joking. Then I was like, and I started making a joke. And then my other coworker, she butted in. She was like, um, tell her. She don't, you don't have time for that. So he was like, I don't. I don't have time for it. I really don't. I'm busy. So I was like, oh, my God, why he just snapped on me? And I took it so hard because mm-hmm. I have been snapped on before like that. And I'm like, I didn't do anything. I didn't say anything. And he and he told me the exact same thing. He was like, "You took it the wrong way. I was not uh-huh. trying to be rude." And I said, "I said, well, you blasted at me for no apparent reason." But when we sat down, we came to that agreement. I let him explain, and and I acknowledged his message, and he explained uh-huh. to me. I was like, "Okay, uh-huh. you were right. I should have took." Because sometimes you have to look at the nonverbal cues too, and we we don't look at those as well. Everything is important you know- when you're communicating. It's a whole concept of not taking something personally. That's what you're talking about. It's like, so he says, well, I am busy. I can't do this right now. And immediately you took it personally. It was a rejection of you. I did. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're I not did. alone. A lot of us do that. And that's part of what I was seeing there in, in terms of don't expect immediate compliance. Take a pause. Get curious about it. it it's really a tr- a, an interesting challenge. But when someone says something like that to you, if you can stop and take a deep breath and say, I wonder what this is about, because it's not about me. It's about them. Right. And it when, you t- when you take it, it personally, you're in their business. Doesn't that gripe you? I mean, it's just really it, it tricky. Does. Sarah, you're hitting on the nail. You are hitting on the nail. And I did. I took it to heart because I was like, wait a minute. I didn't do and it anything. Wasn't anything to do and with I did. You, I, right? I, it wasn't. Listen. It was not anything to do with me. <laughs> I did. I took to that do. to heart, and and then I stormed off like a big old baby. I was like, "Fine, right. don't even say nothing right. to me." You know, I got like my my daughter. Don't talk to me. And I was so furious. Yeah. I was like, "I don't understand." So I actually calmed down, went back, and I was like, "You know what? Let me go back and talk because that is not me." By the end of the day, there has to be a better explanation. He explained to me. He was like, "I'm the only one." who's on this side prepping food, and no one was helping me, and I had to understand from his point, if that was me in that boat, how would I felt? If no one's helping me and, and you want to play or joke around, and it, was, mm-hmm. it wasn't it was time or place. So, mm-hmm. And that, that mm-hmm. also boils down to it, too. When we're in a lot of situations, we have to know the place and the time to do and say a lot of things because sometimes it's not mm-hmm. the right time to make a joke mm-hmm. or something like that. So it, mm-hmm. it boils down. That's why I said this book is going to be very helpful. I'm so glad I have this book, Sarah. You don't know how much of it. I'm so glad a, you do, too. Yeah. You know, I put my, yeah. myself through graduate school as a waitress, so I completely sympathize um, with uh, the emotions get hot because sometimes if the cook doesn't doesn't do your, your meal correctly and then the customers get annoyed and you go in and you complain to the cook, then the cook's pissed at you the next day and they do something else to make make your life difficult. And it's 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 all <laughs> I um I think one of the people that I really respect, Brene Brown, she's a sociology professor, she says, um it it's uh 
assuming the best about other people, assuming the best about others, is an inherently selfish act. If we always believe that they are operating from a positive place, so we assume however they react to us, we assume that it's a positive thing. They're not, it's not because they're mad at us. It's whatever, you know, if we assume the best about them, then they're not Mm -hmm. going to rattle us. Now, that's not to say that we won't have difficult people in our lives. But I I think part of this book is also the point of um, what uh, Byron Katie says, is if we want world peace, we have to start with ourselves. And in order to have peace, we have to stay in our own business. And I have to tell you, that's the hardest thing for me. Because when someone says something to me that I think is unkind, if I'm taking it personally, suddenly I'm in their business. So they wanted to make me feel bad. Well, okay. I don't know what they wanted. I don't know what their motivation is. But if I believe that they are inherently good, <laughs> then I don't. Then I can just say, "Oh, that's an interesting comment." Now, my boss was not criticizing me when she said, hey, Sarah, what you're doing is really driving us of us crazy. She wasn't giving me negative criticism. She wasn't telling me that I was a bad person. She was saying, here's what you're doing. Do you know you're doing it? And I didn't. So she right. was not in my business in the sense that she was saying, here's your behavior. Here's, what, here's how it's impacting us, and it's really making it so none of us can do our jobs. Is that what you want? Well, no, it's not what I want. So I'll change. But people only change if the consequences for what they're currently doing are more negative than the consequences of changing. So a lot of folks don't change because they, they're they getting what they think they want. Right. And I was going to also um, add on to that. Some people don't want to change. Some people like to be the way they are. Um, I don't I don't know why. Like you have some people, uh, maybe they went through a bad childhood or something, but some people are the way they are. You're like, oh, my God, do you just come in? Or are you just born right? you you just like that every day. So I just I – Well, I'm sure there were people in my life who – I'm sure that I had um, people who thought that I enjoyed doing what I was doing. And, you know, a number of times I would see in a performance review that I the one area that I could improve was my communication skills. And I, I, I would say, oh, okay, um, but I didn't know what they meant because I taught communication skills and I thought I was pretty clear to communicating. So I didn't, I didn't get it. What they meant was you argue all the time. You ask a lot of questions that make people uncomfortable because this is the other piece is the diff- difficult people probably don't recognize how others perceive them. And I was perceived as a confident, educated, intelligent person, woman, who was asking questions of people in authority as if I knew as much as they did. And right. that wasn't my intent to ask it that way, but it, I did eventually figure that out. <laughs> exactly. I, had a, I had a boss, a supervisor, um, who, and she was telling me that the, this group of people really wanted me to change, and I said, "Well, do they want you to fire me?" She said, "No, they want me to fix you." <laughs> Just one. <laughs> and you know what? It really had an impact because oh, she didn't want me to leave, but it it made it was it was a different boss. You know, it was right. one after the one I'm describing in the book. You know, I mean, it, it, the change for me didn't happen instantly because it was so much a part of my personality that I I really had to work at it. Um, but my hope is that if people read the book and they're able to have the conversation, I will say I don't expect people to change instantly. Why? Right, I but think, I think well, to keep keep practicing and to keep looking at whose business you're in. Right, exactly. Um, so, Sarah, before we ask yeah. you, can you tell the guests where they could purchase your book from? Well, the easiest thing is to go to Amazon and look up okay. 
Lessons from a Difficult Person. But if you can't remember the title, go to my website. It's sarahelliston.com. Sarah has an H, S-A-R-A-H, elliston.com. And there's a button there you can click on. And you can, if you sign up for uh, my email list uh, and give me your email, then um, you'll get three worksheets from the workshop that sort of start the process. And you also get the um, preface, the, the first chapter of the book, um, as an ebook, just you know, a little bit for free there. So well, SarahEllison.com. dot com. Well, we did. Well, we got so much to talk about that, but hopefully, when Sarah gets down with this second book that's on that she's in the work and <laughs> progress on, we would definitely have you back on, Sarah. Sarah, okay. I appreciate you. You make sure, listeners, you go out and get that book. Let's from a difficult person and how to deal how to deal with people like us because it's out there. It's in your face, and it's so simplistic. It just, it is. This is a book that you should have on your shelf. And before I leave you, the truth of the day is this. Play is a wonderful antidote for the stress and tension in our society. It is expected in our society for you to be diligent, upstanding, serious, and successful. It can be refreshing to see a person cast off these roles and play. Let go. Take a day, any day, and make it a day you do what you want to do for you. Enter a simple yeah. world governed only by your heart and soul. Look at the brightest side of life, smiling and being a kid again. Project a joyous, optimistic attitude, even if your life seems to be gray. Allow this gray cloud to go. Send a bright sun reflecting rainbow left behind. Today, feel relaxed and cheerful. Cast off your chains of adulthood and play. Enjoy the day. And remember my motto, as I always say from my affirmation nation, Either your mind expands to match your goals or your goals with strength to match your mind. I hope everyone have a blessed day. I'll see you next time on The Bright Side with Technisha. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technisha. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com. 